Happy first birthday, now I see. This podcast marks one full year of episodes designed to educate, elevate, and engage listeners in the eye-opening experiences of our many wonderful guests. This episode will be a celebration of how the Now I See Media Group got started, the many beautiful people who helped make it possible, and what we're looking forward to in the days ahead. The seed for Now I See Media was planted in a conversation with my dear friend Lisa Alexander in the summer of 2020 during the height of the pandemic. I was telling her how much I enjoyed our conversations, how she asked provocative questions that made me think deeply about important topics and issues and how I often quoted her in conversations with others. On more than one occasion, others told me they wished they had been privy to the original conversation. And it occurred to Lisa, and to me, that they could, if we invited them in, by means of a podcast. I had no idea whether or not we could actually pull that off, or even if I was willing to start and sustain a project like that. But Lisa, in her typically persuasive fashion, talked me into taking the first steps in creating Now I See. We wrote down our goals and objectives, tossed around some ideas for names and show topics, bought two microphones and stands, and watched hours of videos on the web for information about how to begin. Thank you, Pat Flynn, for your helpful YouTube videos. Lisa and I attempted to record our conversations, but neither of us was particularly happy with our finished product. You know what? I take totally blame for that. I just couldn't get the hang of editing. Oh my gosh. So we were frustrated and we shelved the project for a while. Six months later, in February of 2021, I had an opportunity to travel to Arizona to be part of a Chosen to Speak rally hosted by my friend, Dave Arden, founder of Chosen to Speak, and his friend, Patty Teal, the creator of Hub for Humanity a podcast platform for Patty's podcast, as well as for several of her friends and business associates. She was gracious enough to explain to me how she got started, and I came back home to Dallas with a renewed commitment to get our show off the ground. One evening over dinner, I was talking about my podcast idea. Between the passing of potatoes, Jim Wilson said, I can help you with that. Jim's business acumen and vast technical knowledge were just what was needed to help launch Now I See and to let it begin to take root. Jim secured our domain, built our website, did all the research, made a checklist of all the things I needed to do to make things official, set up the editing equipment and programs, and then launched not only the Now I See media group, but his own thriving business at Headset Radio, a hub for launching podcasters just like me. Headset Radio has helped nearly a dozen podcasters in the short year since he began. Jim's partner, Izzy, an artist, created logos for most of the groups that Headset was starting, including ours. She selected artwork to enhance our weekly blogs and social media posts. They completely captured the vision for what Now I See could become, and then they helped make it happen. By now, several months had passed since Lisa and I had hoped to start our media group. But Lisa, who always has a plate full, had moved on to other things, and I needed to consider a new direction for Now I See. One afternoon, when Jim and I were testing recording equipment, I pressed Izzy into doing a mic check with me. We sat in our makeshift studio at the kitchen table with our microphones and glasses of iced tea between us and just started talking. What began as a simple five-minute mic check turned out to be a delightful 30 minutes of conversation that would not only become one of our first episodes, but would set the tone 
for all the episodes to follow. I feel like stories, uh, which started as tales we tell our children, are based in uh, truths that are easily told through the works of fiction or metaphors or similes. They're teachings, uh, intelligence, and things that we want to pass on to help better the next generation. They're also things that provide us with an outlet. Um, because the world is often harsh. The, the world can be full of harsh things, wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. So uh, stories give us a chance to kind of step back and look at it through a lens um, that is more palatable than some of the harsh things that can be found in life. The one thing I would like to say is don't just look for stories in books or on the internet or in media, movies, shows. Look for stories in each other. Some of the best stories are told when face-to-face. I love stories that are told by my parents, my siblings, uh, my grandparents. Stories from when they grew up. There is so much that we can learn from each other's stories and interfacing with each other that is very important. So I wanted to start the show off with a bang. It was April 2021, schools were starting to return to in-person teaching, and I wanted to hear from a prominent school official in our area about how students, teachers, administrators, and support staff were doing during this crazy time of transition. Linda Whitman, a former school principal, now an educational advocate, is a woman who likes to talk almost as much as I do. I knew a conversation with her would be high energy, high impact, and a whole lot of fun. I was right. She not only was our first guest, but the first guest to make an encore appearance six months later. Next, while the nation was talking about crisis management, I invited Glenn Cato, the Director of Crisis Response Ministries in North Texas, and the Grand Prairie Police Department chaplain to address those issues. Instead, he gave me his beautiful story about the life-changing power of presence. What he told us that day still lingers in my heart and head. Well, if it, if we go back to the very beginning, um, I would attribute it to um, winter break in 1975 when I was a senior in college. Um, I had an opportunity to go on a mission trip through Texas Baptist men. Um, there were three churches in Grand Prairie. First Baptist, Fairview Baptist, where I was attend- that I was church where I was attending, and Lakeview. Um, we spent a week in Honduras on a disaster relief mission. In September of '74, they suffered a, a devastating hurricane that created a mudslide that buried a portion of San Pedro Sula, uh, and we were going down there to help rebuild. And so that was my first experience with seeing people in crisis. Um, They estimate more than 5,000 people were killed, 10,000 homes destroyed, and a portion of the city buried under six feet of mud. Uh, And so seeing that was a pretty important uh, aspect, I guess, of forming my view of working with people, individuals, and families in crisis, which is what I do today. But probably one of the most significant understandings was about divine appointments because I understood 
after coming back from that trip what that meant. Because even though the purpose of the trip was to go down there and serve the, uh, to rebuild, Satan had his hand trying to stop that trip from the very beginning, from visa issues with the consulate to transportation issues um, to when we arrived, the missionaries there thought we were coming the next week. So none of the materials that we needed were there. So they're trying to figure out what to do with us. So we spent the night in San Pedro Sula, and the next morning they came and said, you know, there's this little town up in the mountains called Saguatepeque. They're trying to rebuild uh, their church and build a parsonage. Would you guys be interested in going up there? We were very disappointed that we weren't going to be able to do what we went down there, but we set aside our own thoughts and feelings and said, if that's where God wants us to be, that's where we're going to go. I still get emotional after all these years. Next was Dave Arden, founder of Chosen to Speak. We were in the same place of business development, coaxing the seedlings of our organizational visions to grow. So I invited him to be a guest on my show. We had so much fun together that Dave was happy to make an encore appearance seven months later after both of our organizations had gone international. Four shows in, patterns began to emerge among our guests. Each one was bringing something deeply personal to the microphones. The stories they wanted to tell were so much better than the stories I asked them to tell, or the stories I thought I wanted to hear. And while it was initially scary to turn over the content of my show to my guests, I soon began to anticipate the not knowing of where the conversations would lead. I still didn't know what the heck I was doing as a host, or who was listening, or even if anyone was listening, or where this whole Now I See podcast thing would go. But I was up for the adventure. Jim, Izzy, my guests, and I had already invested ourselves in this, and I didn't feel like I could back out now. Then Jim said the most wonderful thing. It was so liberating. There's a really big secret that, uh, it's not really a secret, but it's a uh... It's a known unknown, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Um, that if you fail, it's okay. Like, it's okay if you fail. It's okay if you break something. It's okay. That if something goes wrong, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. You can recover. You can bounce back from it. Say if you, so say you break, like, a file on your computer. Say you break a computer. It's not gone. It's not. Don't worry. It's not gone unless something catastrophic happens, like you catch it on fire. Even with that, you could still go back through and recreate what you've done already. It's not. You, you've already done it once. You could do it again. You 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 nailed it the first time. The second time, just you know, it will be better. And so, even if you fall down, even if you you know get in a car wreck, it doesn't matter. It's okay. It's okay to fail. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay. And. Everyone makes those mistakes. Everybody does. And when you learn that, and the thing is, not everyone learns it right away. When you do learn that it's okay to fail and okay to make mistakes, you're able to take the risk to fail and then succeed. It's okay. And all you have to know is there's people out there who care about you who will help you. And it could be your friends. It could be your family. It could be anyone. 
even if you do fail at a personal level, they'll still be there to help pick you up and be like, oh, hey, it's okay. You're okay. Everything's going to work out. And it's okay. And so, yeah, failure is an option. (laughs) We knew we would make rookie technical, editorial, and business mistakes. But Jim reminded me that's how we grow. That mistakes are necessary ingredients for the kind of success we wanted to have. The kind of organization we were only beginning to dream about. What now I see media could be. Humorist Becky Pullum, Highland Games competitor Stephanie Sloan, and team pilot Gracie Hansen urged all of us to take risks. And I took their advice to heart, too. Just try it, they said. If you have a chance, take it. Don't let this moment slip by. Brenda Milam was entering retirement. She and her husband were in the process of downsizing a lifetime of possessions to just the bare essentials that would fit in a travel trailer as they planned to take off and see the world. Her encouragement was so timely, not just for me, but for all of us as we were transitioning out of the pandemic and looking to emerge lighter, freer, and more ready to move on with our lives. Here's what she had to say about letting go and about opening herself up to new possibilities. If you surround yourself with people who are positive, people who you admire and you wish, oh, I wish I could do that like them, then be around those kinds of people. Surround yourself with people who have strengths that you don't have because, for lack of a better term, it takes a community. And as a Christian, I believe God puts us in community on purpose. He did not mean for us to be out on our own. I think it's important. um, I can't remember the exact quote, but uh, we're the loudest voice that we ever hear is our own. And if we're not speaking, I mean, literally, if we recorded the thoughts that run through our minds on a daily basis and we said those things out loud to someone else, we wouldn't have people around us. So it's important to uh, speak truth to yourself, uh, and that means what people think about me, what people say about me, may or may not be the truth, but I know what the Bible says to me, and what God says to me is the truth, and that's what I need to focus on. Not everybody's going to like me. Not everybody's going to agree with me, and the same for me about them, but the truth is important to have in your life. Uh, just to give you a foundation of who you are, whose you are, what's important, and allows you in that doing what you, I feel like God made me to be. Uh, transition is just a normal part of life, and we're going to always go through it at some point, some more than others. But I hope that people will uh, embrace that because you really can't do anything about it. So it's kind of that half full, half empty kind of uh, thinking. But I hope that people will be willing to embrace it and willing to just see it as an adventure and see what happens and just go with that. Um. By contrast, Trent Parker found contentment in his hometown. He didn't have to go anywhere to find happiness. He realized he already had it. I was so impressed with his story. 
Awarded a Lifetime Achievement by President Biden, Angela Geisner, the founder of Lifeline Shelters, is working to rid homelessness in her hometown of Grand Prairie, Texas. She stunned me with her no-fear response to my question about the ability to tackle that mountain of an obstacle when she said... You know, I was cautioned about that. I was cautioned not to do that because it had been tried before and it did more damage than it did good. And I thought, well, what do I know? Mm-hmm. You know, let's go forward and we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I just couldn't walk away from it. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't walk away from the problem. I couldn't walk away from the kids is what bothered me more than anything. I felt like they deserved to have... Uh, the ability to get their education so they've got to have the 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 tools to do that and we just couldn't keep ignoring that not in our city I don't think our city would be proud of themselves if they did that and and they stepped right up immediately even though I was just amazed I thought we just started this and the first family we put up, we just started putting out some calls, and here comes Gail Wills with the box full of stuff for the kitchen, and Margaret and Ronnie Lyles were helping uh, move things. And, uh, and so I think it was probably the credibility of the board that maybe helped them realize that we weren't going to do anything that would be in not be uh, an embarrassment to them we would manage our funds we would truly operate like we felt like God was calling us to operate and I think that's probably what had a lot of uh, added a lot to it. Tina Davis whose family adopted a shaken baby said the same she just couldn't stand by and do nothing. That kind of heroism not only encourages but inspires me. And you, too, as is evidenced by your responses to her tear-jerking episode. Jenny Garrison, a mother of a special needs child, also delivered some powerful advice about meeting life's challenges head-on. While her counsel was directed at families who have members with special needs, I think her wise words apply to any of us who have felt like we're in over our heads. Yeah, um, I'll never forget. after having Megan hearing, you know, it's, it's very typical. We all say it and there's nothing wrong with it. We all feel that. Right. But I remember hearing it in a new way after having Megan, because it's like, as long as it's healthy, well, for a lot of people, what if it's not, then what? Because it, because, you know, the assumption is, well, cause if it's not healthy, then what my life's going to be terrible. The baby's life's going to be terrible. What? And, um, I just learned that, you know what, I just want to hug people that have special needs children and say to them, um, you're on a different journey. You're not on the journey you thought you were going to be on. You're on a different journey. But um, it's an extraordinary one. And it can be extraordinarily amazing because um, as difficult as it is, it introduces you to a whole new community of people. And And so many of these people in the special needs community are some of the most outstanding special people you will ever want to meet in your life. And you get to be a part of that now. Um, And and I know that sounds like really crazy, but it's, but it's true in a lot of ways. Um, And, and you're on a journey where 
And I know most parents feel this way anyway, where, where you don't get a playbook, you know, you can read all the parenting books you want, but I mean, every child is so different and every challenge is so different. And you just throw up your hands and you go, I don't know how to do this. Well, when you have a special needs child, you really don't know what you're doing. And you just go, I'm, I'm not an expert. I don't know how to deal with this, especially if you have, um, you know, children with, with autism and some of these really, or any kind of medical needs. And you just go, I, I'm not, I'm not an expert in this, but it's amazing how God will lead you to the right people. And I remember God leading us to the right therapists that were just like handpicked. I feel like Megan's neurologist was handpicked. Um, the, a teacher that we needed at the time was, I feel like just when I was at my lowest and feeling so desperate, like I can't do this anymore. The schooling thing became such an issue and God brought the perfect person at the right time. So, um, you get to see God show up in extraordinary ways for you because your situation is extraordinary and it, it is not easy and it is tough, but your journey looks different, but it's a good one. And it makes you and your children and everybody in your family and those around you different because you've been in it. And that's what's extraordinary too. Over and over again, we've heard from guests everyday people who faced surprising and seemingly insurmountable challenges and triumphed over them because they dared to take a risk. We talked to authors, artists, athletes, musicians, other podcasters, teachers, small business owners, city and ministry leaders and volunteers, veterans and cancer survivors. These are everyday people like you and me who saw things they couldn't unsee and then they did something about it. They each had a message for all of us. You can do hard things. There are people all around you who are doing hard things, and they're making a difference right where they are. You can do it too. Whatever you're facing, you can do it too. It was a message we all needed to hear in the midst of the hardest thing we collectively have ever done, a global pandemic. Here's what else they had to say. The things they said that kept them going were faith and hope. Listen to Becky Rafe, founder of Hope for the Brokenhearted Online Ministry. I see myself as a vessel of God. I see, um, I see myself just as a humble servant, um, somebody who uh, has been through great trials and has uh, seen the darker side of life, both having done to me and having done it as well um have suffered much shame and been redeemed and i just want to share a message of hope that it doesn't matter um where you come from or what you've done or what's been done to you that god can redeem anything and he can heal anyone hope takes us to the most amazing places I may be tipping my hand, but we hope to expand Now I See to include a monthly online magazine, the April edition of which got bogged down in publication. I had no idea how much time would be required for production and formatting all of that. But like I said, we can do hard things and hopefully we will have a monthly online magazine for you soon. In conjunction with that, we created a monthly Bible study which we decided to release separately from the magazine so that you could have access to that right now. 
we're planning a book containing the stories from the first 50 guests of Now I See and an inspirational book in collaboration with an award-winning Russian artist, Olga Levy. That was in the design phase when the Russia-Ukraine war broke out and communications with Russian citizens was severed. I'm still hoping Lisa Alexander will allow us to create and publish her teaching series on women and finances, a project she and I have been looking forward to since the beginning of Now I See. And we hope to add group chat features and online teaching segments to expand our Bible study. Your feedback will greatly help us determine how those studies are being used and how we can make them more impactful for you. Of course, we'll let you know when these things become available because I'm terrible about keeping things from you. I want you to be as excited about them as I am. For first look, be sure to sign up for our newsletter, magazine, and Bible study by visiting us at our site, nis.media. And as always, you can keep in touch on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NowICPod. We love how our audience is growing. You are the fruit of the seed of our labor. And we are especially grateful to all of you who decided to join us right from the start. As you can see, we're really starting to branch out. We rely on you to keep spreading the word about Now I See and what it means to you. Thank you for your partnership in the process. We are so very grateful. See you next week.